Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Um, before we get started with tonight's episode, Kong Skull Island, I felt it was pertinent to mention uh, we've lost a giant, uh, no pun intended, in the world of uh, kaiju films and specifically Godzilla films. Uh, it's my, with great sadness, uh, duty to report that Haru Nakajima uh, of 88 years of age uh, has passed away. Um, it, this is um, actually happened a few weeks ago, um, but you know we had to we had to say something about it on the show. Um, you're you're about to hear a show that Nate and I recorded, and uh, Nakajima-san actually passed away two days after we recorded it. Otherwise, we would have addressed it in the show. Um, but on you know as it is, I wanted to record. This uh, little addendum at at the beginning of this of this week's episode, just um, to to say that you know this is a great guy. I mean, you know, in a, in a, in addition to playing Godzilla in 1954's Gojira, he also played him in Godzilla Raids Again, King Kong vs Godzilla, Mothra vs Godzilla, Ghidra the Three Headed Monster, Invasion of Astro Monster. Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, Son of Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, All Monsters Attack, a.k.a. Godzilla's Revenge, uh, Godzilla vs. Hedorah, and Godzilla vs. Guy Gan. He also portrayed Rodan. He also played Mothra. He was in the H-Man. He was Baragon and Frankenstein Conquers the World. He was in. He was one of the Gargantuas and more of the Gargantuas. Uh, he also worked on the Ultraman series. Uh, so, you know, of those earlier films, you know, the 50s, 60s, and, and 70s, really, you know, you've got uh, Subaraya, you've got um, Honda, you've got uh, Fukube, and, uh, and you've got Nakajima right up there with him. Um, and also, obviously, Sekizawa, uh, but but those those core guys were responsible for the uh, you know for the earlier films, and so we we just wanted to say that uh, you know Nakajima was the last one to leave us, and uh, again he was he was 88 years old, and by all counts he was a very kind man, uh, whose face would light up anytime anyone mentioned Godzilla and wanted to. Uh, talk about Godzilla, and he had all sorts of stories uh, about that, and uh, he really enjoyed talking about Godzilla, so he was something he was very proud of, and, um, you know, I think that's important. Um, this is, uh, you know, a performance in the original Gojira that was so, you know, so legendary, so impactful that it did, in fact, create an entire genre so um, I just wanted to to acknowledge that and uh, say uh, for uh, you know Hiro Nakajima uh, Origato, and um, with that we take you into this week's episode and uh, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. <laughs>
ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. We are back, and we are here to discuss Kong Skull Island. My name is Michael Kelly, and with me as always, Mr. Nathan Bear reporting live from a location that I am not currently by many thousands of miles. So again, being brought to us via the miracle of Skype and, and, and modern technology. Nathan, good to hear uh, from you. Uh, good to hear from you too. Dobry den, yaksimash. You know, undisclosed location. <laughs> Just let me know that you're safe over there, uh, that they're feeding you, okay? Communicate <laughs> over the podcast with secret messages when you get the yeah. chance, okay? Good? Perfect. Good, good. Uh, so we are here this evening to discuss uh, 2017's Kong Skull Island, directed by Mr. Jordan Vacht. Roberts and uh you know it's it's a it's a film that we are doing absolutely by obligation because it is yeah. a new King Kong movie and not only is it a new King Kong movie but it directly features into Warner Brothers ongoing now I guess uh monster verse monster universe monster verse monster verse yeah. Not to be confused with the Dark Universe, which was started with Mummy 4, Tom Cruise Mummy. And it is part four, because they do show the book with the beetle turn lock key thing in it from the Brendan Fraser mummies. Oh! In Tom Cruise. So it's canon. It is canon. Okay, All right? so, it, so it, it's not only starting a new series, but it's continuing. I mean, no, it's, it's supposed to be a new thing, but it's like... The guy in the prop department was like, well, just throw this thing in here or whatever. So in my mind, I just – I assumed that like, you know, 120-year-old Brendan Fraser is just in the background being like, I'm too old to follow you on this Tom Cruise, but, you know, whatever. Oh, my God. Does this mean the Scorpion King is going to have a <laughs> – Look, the Scorpion King has already had like 15 sequels to it uh, straight to DVD, so – well, now he has a chance to have some straight to crackle. <laughs> crackle. Each one with a mere 20 commercials. Oh, never before one has it. five minutes. Never before has a video streaming service nailed its essence in, in name form so much as crackle. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so here's what we know. Uh... 2017 release date um directed by jordan Vacht roberts screenplay by dan gilroy and max borstein and Derek connelly of course max borstein directed godzilla or he didn't direct he wrote godzilla 2014 mm -hmm. so they are absolutely making a very strong effort to uh unify this universe um with a with a sort of a common voice and that is Max Borstein's voice. Um, and you can tell that a lot from the attempted comedy elements, which we'll yeah. get into later. It's produced by Thomas Tull, uh, Mary Parent, John Jashini, and Alex Garcia. And the release date, sorry, it was, was March 10th, 2017. Um, director of photography is Larry Fong. He did a great job, actually. Oh, very um, good. 
Yeah, and, and some beautiful. I will say the the cinematography and they filmed in a few different places. They filmed in Hawaii. They filmed in a couple in Australia, but primarily the what Skull Island was uh, was Vietnam and um, locations of Vietnam that we simply have not seen in a film before of the of this scale and level of stupidity. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they they may have showed a little bit of it in like you know one of uh, like uh, Heaven and Earth with Tommy Lee Jones or whatever, uh, like part of the Platoon trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, but like never in, in something where you know a giant a giant monkey eats a giant octopus for no reason. Yeah, uh, so. I think like the furthest a Godzilla film, the most exotic location any Godzilla film has gone to uh, for location shooting was probably like Guam when they shot or uh, yeah, was it Guam they shot Son of Godzilla on? Yeah, yeah, yeah that that's like... and that was a big deal because it was like exactly it was the first like actual location they had to go to that wasn't just another part of Japan that was. You know, yeah. like a day's drive from yeah, from the, <laughs> the, Toho the Toho lot, yeah. um, <laughs> or whatever. It got lazier as yeah. it went. Like by the time you get to Godzilla versus Megalon, it's literally the driveway of the yeah. Toho lot. You're just like <laughs> we're not going anywhere. We're yeah. going. We're not. Fact, the, the camera is not going to leave the studio. We're just going to open the door and film the parking lot, <laughs> and that will be the outdoor location. They saved yeah. enough money. <laughs> On Megalon, that one making Mechagodzilla, they could afford, you know, a two-day trip to Okinawa to steal as much B-roll as they could. You're like, oh, palm trees, good, get those. Larry Fong did a great job, and Henry Jackman uh, did the did the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were several instances of of very popular songs because the film takes place in 1973. I believe, and it's absolutely steeped in that sort of culture of of the hip hippie revolution that has sort of failed and is kind of imploding, and musically, like just how crazy and confused and messed up, like the last days of Vietnam. I mean, Vietnam literally ends in the first scene of the movie. It's yeah, you've got. Um, there's like a TV and it's it's Nixon saying we're Vietnam's done. We're pulling out yeah. with with honor or whatever. So yeah. like to set that stage, this Something movie he is said on numerous occasions, I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> to set that stage, it's chocked full of music um, yeah. from the Chamber Brothers, Jefferson Airplane, the Hollies, the Stooges, Black Sabbath, Creedence David Clearwater. Bowie. Creedence Clearwater actually has two tracks on this you got bad moon rising and then later on run through the jungle they're even they throw in we'll meet again by vera lynn Mm -hmm. uh so like it's this the the soundtrack to this is i think stepping on the the correct side of the equation of like there's just enough to kind of not only set the mood but sort of accentuate certain things but it doesn't get to that insane like 
obviously the producers just put in a now that's what i call music cd level of like suicide squad where there's like six music cues within four I'm minutes like i think at one point <laughs> in that movie um and this is a weird kind of thing we're seeing just pop up in movies this phenomenon of just like just choking it down with with music from yeah. from catalogs you know you've got obviously this is a warner brothers movie so they've got access to the entire warner brothers catalog of music so they can just go crazy and um, just remember mike you could spend hundreds of hours <laughs> and millions of dollars at your local fye when instead <laughs> the 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 final fye uh, by me that i can get to within one day without having to take a you know two engine plane a secret runway at night and pay off some guy be like i'm going to the fye he's like don't don't say it out loud don't say it so loud um not many fyes left not no, no. sam goodies there's no sun coasts it's all it's all done it's all over that got dark real fast back yeah. on track <laughs> uh so the music and there's some great music like i love credence clearwater revival like they're amazing obviously jefferson airplane they hadn't quite hit their stride yet obviously they got a little bit better with the airship they perfected it with the starship um you know mannequin the song nothing's gonna stop us now nominated for an academy award i think i rest my case so anyways, um, the budget of this film uh, was $185 million. And to put that into perspective, they had to gross at least $500 million just to break even with when you factor in costs of uh, promotion, promotional costs. Hmm. And so they this movie... It, it grossed five hundred and sixty-six million dollars, so it only like made sixty-six million dollars in, in its original like theatrical run. Now mm -hmm. it's doing pretty good on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff, but it's not like we're getting to this weird area of like confluence of things are getting, I think, almost too expensive to actually turn a huge profit. I don't know. Right. Um, but it, I mean, technically it did make money and the, like, they're going full steam ahead yeah. with the monster verse. So, well, I mean, Warner brothers has also gone full steam ahead with the, uh, DC universe. So, uh, they seem to have had no problem pumping, uh, right. You know, inexhaustible funds into, um, BBS DOJ, um, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice for the the uninitiated, which is uh, technically a film, I guess. I I heard it is, uh, and then we've got the Su uh, Superman is crying yes. throughout the whole time because he's Superman. That doesn't make any sense. Jordan Vaught Roberts he directed some stuff like shorts and stuff, stuff for Funny or Die, collaborating. Um, most most often with um jd miller i believe his name is the guy from um silicon valley and i might be saying his name wrong um he was also in deadpool he actually is leaving and he was um, in cloverfield 
He was in Cloverfield. Yes, he filmed 30% of Cloverfield. So that's weird that he's kind of coming back into one of these episodes of the show. Yeah. But yeah, he... So him and Jordan Von Roberts used to be, I guess, like best friends or whatever, and they made a bunch of shorts and kind of helped each other out early on. And then Jordan Von Roberts eventually got the opportunity to direct um, uh, The Kings of Summer uh, from 2013, I believe. Yeah. Summer 2013. And that was not a terrible movie it had some really good stylization of it and it took place in 2013 but there was two there was a scene where there was two teenage kids playing uh super street fighter 2 on a super nintendo just uh-huh. like it was normal which made me feel more normal yeah uh, and nick offerman is incredible in it right um as like it's basically like a lord of the flies type thing where the kids choose of their own fruition to just go into the woods and live and it was um and run away from their parents you know and that sort of thing and at the end one of them gets bit by a snake and there's a big madcap chase to get back to the hospital and someone has to suck the poison out yada 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 right um total spoil just spoiled the movie sorry um but anyways not a bad movie and a pretty successful one uh you know sort of a smaller budget yeah and you know definitely made its money back and and then some so this guy was sitting pretty for the 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 big the big punch up the big studio you know we're gonna give you this insane franchise now that you've done one you've proven your your indie credit it's the exact mm-hmm. same thing with colin trevorrow he did safety not guaranteed and then they're like oh okay jurassic world yeah. same thing same exact thing so um, it's uh, it, it's the new ha- i mean it's kind of a good thing you know but at the same time, that you 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 would think there would be more of like a gradual, like progression. Like, okay, you can handle that movie. Can you handle you know a Meryl Streep drama? Low, you know, medium range budget. You know, lots of good actors. You know, period piece, something like that. You know, and then we'll let you create you know CGI Bukaki for you know. <laughs> the thing mil- I keep thinking millions- about is like John Carpenter's career where he started out with something like first he, I mean, he turned his student movie dark star into a feature length movie. So mm-hmm. that was like zero budget, negative budget. Yeah. And then like, um, and then he made, you know, assault on precinct 13. And then he like, I think he made the Elvis movie and then he made that movie with Karen black like I I see you or whatever or I'm in the house the babysitter thing which I've never seen it's very elusive. Me neither. And then he made Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then he made you know the fog and Escape from New York. These were all like baby steps upward where it's like incremental adjustments in budget and and exactly like you said let's 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 nurture this talent over the course of like. 10 years or whatever and then 
okay, we can make the thing for like $25 million or right. whatever it was. But no, this, this guy's like, he made Kings of Summer for like $20 million. And it's like, okay, Kong, Skull Island, here's $185 million. Just do, just do it. We'll see what happens. Um, so, and I, I feel like we haven't said the words King Kong yet. And it's, we're 17 yeah. minutes in. But it's it's weird. It's it's yeah. it's weird because like uh, as a King Kong movie, it doesn't feel absolutely vital. Like this movie needs to exist. It no. really feels like this was just hey, we need to have at least one King Kong movie to right. remind the audience who King Kong is. Yeah, and so that then we can have him fight Godzilla in a couple yeah. years. That's what this movie is. It's like, hey, yeah. remember me? Yeah. The movie. <laughs> there, like, so there was some trivia somewhere, like on IMDb, that claimed that the reason for Kong's size was so that way he'd appear godlike to the audience. And um, I'm thinking it was more so that way he would be tall enough to, you know, deck Godzilla in a one-on-one -on -one match. Absolutely. Like, I, I'm. I, I don't see how you know, I how it could be any other way. Right. Um, that's the reason why he's that big. That's the reason why there's the you know, scene at the end. Uh, right. So, yeah, this, this is totally, you know, 100% part of this monster verse, and they're just trying to stretch it out as much as possible because... Um, Which I respect and endorse, and I think in a previous episode... I think I talked about that's what they should do. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm already upset that they're bringing in in the second Godzilla film, Godzilla King of Monsters, maybe mm -hmm. that's what it'll be called. They're already bringing in Mothra, Rodan, and Ghidra all all in the same movie. Right. I'm not upset that they're bringing those monsters in. Obviously, like Rodan and Mothra are incredible, but like yeah. all in the same movie, it's like. Yeah. You could still, you could, and I, I guess this sounds a little bit ludicrous now, but you could probably release a Mothra movie. Like, fuck, they're releasing an Ant-Man movie. Yeah. Like, the, like, Marvel made an Ant-Man movie. They made a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah. Like, you could make a good, successful Mothra movie. Like, you're telling me you're going to make one of these things about a giant moth that's like destroying cities with its wind or whatever. And people aren't going to see that. No, people are going to see it. People will, yeah. will see it. They made an emoji movie. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Be. And um, plus Mike, as we've discussed on this podcast, that's basically what they did at Toho. They just started releasing lots and lots of monster movies. It was slow at first, you know, it took some time to gain momentum, but then suddenly Rodan, Mothra, Godzilla versus King Kong, Mothra versus Godzilla, you know, just right and going, going, going. Exactly. And, and if if you take that time at the beginning, you can build that momentum and then just let it coast. Yeah. And and so yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like they're just sort of like, oh, here's here's one Godzilla movie, one King Kong movie, and then we're we're into it proper and everything's going yeah. nuts. 
Um, so uh, we've got a an amazing, frankly, an amazing cast. An, like, well, a cast of incredible actors who, thanks to the likes of Mr. Max Borstein, aren't really given that much to sink their teeth into. Yeah. It's like these would all be amazing and interesting characters if they weren't all in the exact same movie. <laughs> right. Um, like, like, like there's moments where it, we'll get into this later when we dissect the plot. But, um, you know, with so many characters, it does become hard to kind of follow everyone's backstory and all the overarching themes Right. Of the story, they become harder to... If there to are any. Yeah. If there are any themes other than just, we have to go to meet the helicopters on the other side yeah. of the island. Well, they're bringing in the concept of Vietnam, pulling out, leave no man behind. The, these ideas, especially with Samuel L. Jackson's character. And Preston Packard. Vietnam to no end. Like there's a small scene where one of the characters explains why he carries an AK-47, and he has that whole anecdote about um, uh, he took it from a guy in a village who was in his fifties, and how that guy had never picked up a gun until they showed up. You know that that kind of stuff. So there's still, again. Hammering. And and that same character, yeah. Shay Wingham, as as yeah. as Cole. His name's yeah, Cole. Cole. Um, so um yeah. He has a great moment that we'll talk about later on and how that may or may not be a reference to some of the pointless death in in the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, you know, the Tom Hiddleston's character's name is James Conrad. Conrad. I mean, that's a overt, in my eyes, uh, reference to Heart of Darkness, uh, the author of, of the original story of Heart of Darkness, right. Conrad, who was then, you know, that film was the basis of Apocalypse Now. And when, the, the posters for Kong Skull Island were, were based off the posters for Apocalypse Now. So it's very, they're not yeah. being subtle about this no. oh no well there are two major um john melius references um apocalypse now is the big one everyone's talking about but i want to mention his 1989 film uh farewell to the king which is nick nolte who um escapes uh, japanese captivity swims to an island where he becomes king of these natives in borneo um, that's not quite the same thing that goes on here, but I, I just can't help but think that at some point the producers were trying to get uh, Nick Nolte to play John C. Riley's character, Riley's. but Nick Nolte said, "Of course not. Why would I look for <laughs> myself to this?" Yeah, after um, after he was in such dignified, restrained performances such as uh, Hulk, um, it's a good point. Um, or, you know, this could just be... We've seen the John C. Riley character of Hank Marlowe. We've seen that trope in any number of movies. The troop 
you know, the soldier who got lost in the island during the war and has just been living as a scavenger or whatever for like 30 years. I mean, that was a major plot point in Atragon. Yeah. Um, that our, our good friend and associate, Mr. Jack Kepler, went into, I think, about a 15-minute speech at the end of that episode about the real dude that that was based on. Yeah. And then it's also been featured in, you know, other great films as well, such as Enemy Gold, directed by Andy Sedaris. That just, you know, that's just one example. But yeah. the, um, John C. Riley's Hank Marlowe, you know, as long as we're talking about him, is the only character I care about uh-huh. in this movie. He's the, on- he's the only character I care about. He's uh-huh. like, because to me, when John C. Riley shows up on the screen, it's like uh, you cling to him. You like mm-hmm. he's uh, an oasis in a desert of like characters mm-hmm. I couldn't give shit one about. And it's not. Let me be specific and explain what I'm talking about here. So okay, you've got Tom Hiddleston as James Conrad. Uh, James Conrad, excuse me. He's the tracker. They meet him or whatever, and he's like adventure dude. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the car. He's not the Carl Denham. He's the Jack Driscoll. He's the yeah. modern equivalent of Jack Driscoll, but he's a tracker. Yeah. Um, doesn't have that no. much to do. No. Uh, Samuel Jackson, uh, the other actor who, via the script, is is sort of given a little bit more meat. As yeah. uh, well, he's given like uh, motivation. He's, he's given got motivation. Lots of motivation, right? For what he does. Um, um, same with John Goodman to a certain extent, but at the same time, like we never have time to have that like really flushed out. Yeah. Um, again, it's... you know, not we'll we'll get into this later, but it, this is kind of uh, for me a death by too many characters. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe not, not a death. But just like I, I feel like I'm just drowning in characters. Yeah, exactly. And, like, okay, John Goodman is Bill Randa, who is yeah. a survivor of a attack uh, by Godzilla. They never, they never say Godzilla's name, but it's Godzilla attacked his ship when he was a, a young, a young fella, and it's sort of silly because he's like there was. 400 soldiers on that ship and i was the only one to survive it's like you're the only one it's like maybe maybe they have like maybe 15 people survive but you were the only one that's i mean it is a movie about a 100 foot tall ape and i I do want to say that he's growing he hasn't finished growing yet so by the time you get to like you know godzilla versus king kong i assume this kong from this movie will be 400 feet tall. He will have oh. grown, you know, many hundreds of more feet, which will be nice. Um, but, okay, I just... Because this cast is so insane. Yeah. I have to read through the whole thing. Please Re- do. <laughs> Academy Award winner for Best Actress, like, last year for The Room. Not The Room, sorry. Room. room. Just uh, Room. The Room. Totally a totally a breaking different my heart. thing. 
What a crazy story, Mark. Just express yourself. Enough about that. I rest my case. Um, I did not hit her. <laughs> I did not hit her. I did not. Um, sorry. Brie Larson, Academy Award winner in 2015, Best Actress for Room, um, as Mason Weaver. Possible reference to Sigourney Weaver as like strong female leading person um she is a uh anti-war photographer mm -hmm. and uh jordan vaught roberts instructed her to have real film that's a functional care camera that she's taking pictures with the whole movie and they got a lot of those pictures developed and you know brie larson's pretty good photographer like, they've got a whole uh, thing on the DVD, a whole feature about her photographs that she took on set. And some of them are pretty good. She could actually, she could be a photographer. Um, so, okay, you've got her. She's great. I mean, I, I love Brie Larson. She's been just crushing it since Scott Pilgrim versus the world all the way back in 2010. But, like, again, given almost nothing to do um you've got jing taeyan as san lin and Who this has, is i believe only 11 lines in this yeah I movie. you got 11 because i counted i also counted and it, it's is 11 lines so we both got 11 lines yeah great okay uh consensus is fine the consent so the consensus is complete she has 11 lines yeah. in this movie I actually thought she had died by the... I was, like, shocked when I got to the end, and I was just like, oh, she survived. I she survived. She died. Um, um, you've got Toby. So, she, uh, clearly, she is only in the movie to, like, sell tickets to the Chinese film market. I mean, does that even need okay. to be discussed in further detail, or that's why she's here? Um, she, I, I guess. She's a I, member I of... I assume... She's like, a I'm member sure of Monarch. she's a great actress. It's just she's just kind of shooed in there, and I I really wish. A, again, if if they just you know trim the cast down a little bit, maybe start with a big cast, and then more of them die at the beginning. <laughs> Do like aliens, yeah. where it's like you've got a pretty good cast there, but yeah. then like all of them die except for eh, seven people. You know, yeah. there's there's like. 15 main characters in the movie upwards of like an hour and a half into it you're just like who are these people um you got toby kebble as jack chapman aka billy's dad um he's most oh, notable yeah. as the person who's in the trailer is like is that a monkey and then his chopper gets taken out by a tree he has the most intimate moment with kong in the entire movie and then he is killed. <laughs> like, like, like he has moment a moment with Kong that you think that the other characters should have had, where they like kind of witness just Kong doing something without their not without his knowledge of their presence. Right. You know, just kind of like a moment. Yeah. Um, and and then he's later killed. Right. So it's just kind of like and that I'm yeah. That goes back to this whole thing of just like too many characters, yeah. Of like, you know, good good scenes, and there are a lot of scenes I like 
a lot yeah. in in this movie. Um, and it sounds like we're crapping on it a lot, but just I have to continue getting through this cast because it's insane. Yeah. Uh, John Ortiz as Victor uh, Nieves, Nevis, um, who, I mean, he's a great he's a great character actor. He's shown up in a lot of stuff recently. He played um, a uh, guy on. HBO's togetherness who um, attempts to destroy the marriage between Mark Duplass and Melanie Lewski. Um, he's been in a lot of he's been tons of movies. Um, Corey Hawkins as Houston Brooks. He was, of course, Dr. Dre in Straight Out of Compton. He was amazing in that. He's he's a member of Monarch in this. One of the one of the key members of Monarch along with Bill Randa, John Goodman. And um, I, it's weird because he's young. He's a young guy. Yes. And like they, they have these scenes where it's like, oh, Monarch is still going to be a thing in future movies. But it's like, are they going to put like old age makeup on him? In, in, like, what the hell is happening? This is 1973. Right. You know, <laughs> like. So basically, none of these characters can show up again. Like, this is their, like, one and only chance to shine, like, well. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, John, you can't... John C. Riley's character definitely can't be in any it, of this. Exactly. And maybe maybe that explains why he's given so much attention. Um, yeah. You've got yeah. Jason Mitchell as Glenn Mills. Um, you know, another awesome actor. He was, I believe, Easy e in, in Straight Outta Compton, so two guys from from that film um and he's great in this he's got like he he's a he's a great actor he does a lot with just like his eyes and and you can tell that again like they're great actors they're just not given anything um or anything tangible enough to like hang a performance on um we talked about john c Riley as hank marlowe john c Riley. we could have a five-part podcast that's got nothing to do with Godzilla or King Kong uh just about John C Riley and how amazing everything he does is I mean mm-hmm. the man was in Casualties of War directed by Brian De Palma and he's yeah. also Dr. Stephen Brule on Tim and Eric awesome show great job so he he's just what he's inventing he's new rules he's inventing yeah. new rules hourly okay yeah. he was in the aviator like him in like Leonardo DiCaprio, Scorsese is like, you know, oh yeah, this guy is a great actor. So like John C. Riley is amazing. Uh, and Richard Jenkins as Senator Willis. Um, Richard Jenkins has been holding it down as a character actor for over 30 years. Everything from the Witches of Eastwick to Mike Nichols' Wolf to the, the classic agent or Mike Nichols and uh, who else was in that? Who, who was in that film? Jack Nicholson and who Jack else? Nicholson and, and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. That's correct. Nate, um, possibly James Spader. Um, Richard Jenkins is just amazing. He was in let me in, which was Matt Reeves, the Cloverfield directors remake of let the right one in many mm-hmm. say, Myself included. Many, hey, many people are saying, many mm-hmm. sources are saying that it's tremendous. It's such a tremendous movie. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about everything. Um, but <laughs> like, 
he was he was great in that. I think the amount of time I've been talking about Richard Jenkins is longer than he is actually in this movie, so I should shut yeah. my mouth. But uh, anyways, fantastic actors, fantastic actors, just every everyone across the board. Like this is yeah. a dream cast. I remembered like reading the like the film site dailies and stuff when they were kept announcing all these actors and it's just like oh my god john goodman's gonna be this and brie larson and john c mm-hmm. Riley and shay wigman and Corey hawkins and like it, it and it just kept going right um so like it, it's an amazing cast I, I think i've beaten that dead horse enough sorry <laughs> Uh, it's nice being able to talk about a movie with a great cast of people that I know <laughs> um, and and seen other things they've done yeah. and have a fairly good hold on how to say their names. <laughs> um, I also wanted to mention, well, a few things. First, the monster's design and then Kong's design. Right. There was absolutely a, I think, an effort to make him look more like the 1933 Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, just his fur is like that brown color. It's not, right. It's not, doesn't look like a gorilla's fur. Mm-hmm. He's definitely more of a human type monstrous thing. Yeah, he, he's more, pardon the pun, but he's very erect. He's you know, straight up as if he was a man in a suit. Exactly. Le- less than like the Andy Serkis um, version we saw in Peter Jackson's um, 2005 version, where it was like an attempt. It's like, no, 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 this is a real gorilla. This is a, you know, real big gorilla. Whereas Kong in this movie seems more humanoid, homo sapien, whatever. Right. Um, you know, uh, like in Pacific Rim, like everything is like made to look like man could have potentially been inside a suit. Right. Um, and they did use motion capture, to my knowledge. They did. They, it's important, and I wanted to mention this, like the motion capture used on this film, they only did like two days of motion capture. And they really? did, yeah. And then Jordan Von Roberts was like, you know what? Scrap it. We're just going to have like the animators do it. So in a way, and there's some, this may be whatever. This is my personal opinion. I actually believe that the animation was superior in the Mm -hmm. uh, Peter Jackson version. Like you got a real performance from Andy Serkis and his as as a character that kong is infinitely more compelling to watch than than this kong who's just like a right. giant he's he's like the character from the arcade game rampage come to life you know he's just like he is here to destroy and occasionally look mournful for some mm-hmm. reason or maybe he's just got something in his eye yeah. And the camera's like, ooh, look at all the detail around his eye. Yeah. 
He's got some sleep in his eye. Maybe he'll rub sleep. that out of there later. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> but he's not. Do, he's not doing anything with his face. Right. Like the Andy Circus Kong was like, he would laugh. He would look scared. Yeah. He would look different. But yeah, that that was a different type of uh, what's the phrase? Anthrop. Anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphized. It's a tough yeah. Word. Uh, but you know, Andy. I mean, like that Kong is like walking on his knuckles. This Kong, not so much. It's more standing up straight. You know, absolutely. You know, occasionally doing some swinging and stuff. And you know, later in the final fight, yes. But it definitely seems more human <laughs> in this version. Absolutely, and we would be remiss to not talk about the other sort of overt character design and references of um miyazaki's film princess mononoke uh yeah the the you know the elk or the you know the guys the antlers or whatever which is literally the spirit god from that film um you've got sort of the uh flora fauna uh tree spider things and you've got the like the trunk of the tree that just sort of comes to life and you've got the giant and i mean like the giant wildebeest like water buffalo thing right with all the vegetation growing off it's just like some of the stuff's directly out of princess mine and okay yeah so basically everybody needs to watch every everyone listening to this needs to watch every miyazaki movie they can get their hands on that's a directive well, here's something I want to bring up, and again, we will further this conversation during the plot, but, um, you know, one thing that separates this from a lot of action movies is that Miyazaki touch. Um, just want to bring up, I watched a couple of um, video essays, one by uh, a YouTuber called RC Anime, and another one by uh, Channel Criswell, C-R-I-S-W-E-L-L. Both of them are uh, very compelling essays, and they both um, talk about the um, difference between East and West in terms of action and how in a Miyazaki film especially, you get these nice pauses and moments where characters just kind of reflect on the world around them. And you do feel that peppered in and that, you know, while I will not call this like the greatest of the great monster movies, I will say it's very unique. It has these touches with just the water buffalo or a character watching King Kong lick its wounds. Just moments like that we rarely ever see um, so like well peppered out throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. um and i think that's a positive thing yes absolutely one of the movie strengths is just we get to like absorb the world around us it's not just we're here this bad blow shit up right um we get plenty of that as well but we do have these slow moments of just observation yeah and it's i will say it's a absolutely a fascinating take on the concept of skull island and and just the physiology of of everything that's a that's a well done portion of the film uh so 
without further ado, we're going to take a little break here, a little musical interlude. I think it's time we crack this thing open. We're about 45 minutes in. Yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> through the clouds of the various film companies including the Chinese film distribution company which was not Golden Princess so I didn't bother writing down who it was Golden Princess produced all the John Woo Chow Yun-Fat movies so that's that's the only Chinese oh, yeah. film company as far as I care well that's Hong Kong you know right good, different country you know, different thing yeah. sorry you get so, you got your Golden super. Harvest, you got your Shaw Brothers, you got your Kowloon Scope, you got your. There are too many. Like for such a small plot of land, they had a lot of film companies and a lot of love for you know movies. Anyways, yes, we're flying through the uh, various logos and clouds, and uh, we're hearing uh, sporadic uh, gun bursts. Uh, so we can assume that we are in the midst of an aerial dogfight. One of those planes gets shot down, is, is plummeting towards the earth, and we see this island sort of as the clouds part. And mm -hmm. uh, it looks as though this this person who, who jumps out of one of the planes is just going to fall to his death and it's definitely played up for comedy it's just like oh and uh and then later you see there's a sort of trick cut where it shows the plane land on the beach in a thud <laughs> you know and yeah. then the the pilot safely lands via parachute and we yeah. get a really good look at uh the good for your health inscription on the back of john c Riley's jacket which is yeah. a clear reference to um akira uh sure but also uh to dr stephen brule from um check it out and before that brule's rules um on tim and eric awesome show great job so because that's he would say some insane 
thing and then say for your health so that's a clear <laughs> reference to that um and then the guy the other guy crashes i believe he's japanese because it's world war Two, and yes, they exactly. begin 1944 um and yeah so you've got the american pilot running to get his like gun or whatever then you've got the japanese pilot with his gun shooting him um and they go off into the uh bushes um but not in you know the fun way uh i I remember there there is a sword grabbing like a grabbing of the blade yeah by john c Riley. bullets he's got to grab the sword um and so they go into the woods the woods leads to a cliff um there's a you know okay action sequence where um you know john c Riley's character younger self uh grabs the blade and lets it kind of slip um through his hand so that way he can elbow the guy uh in the face and then this uh youthful you know rumpus is uh interrupted shall we say by a certain uh, lethargic ape right who may uh, or may not be kong's like dad or mother like it's possible because this is 1944 or 45 yeah. maybe um so it's eight years before yeah, the tw- main events of the film he keeps saying he's been stuck on the island for 20 28 years so if we were any good at math at all we'd be able to get an exact year but mike if we were good at math would we be doing this right now you know would our listeners be listening to this the most right now? nathan as always your most your most cutting uh commentaries are indeed your most accurate uh what we can tell you is that the camera goes up on into the whoever it's probably kong's face into his eye and it goes into the iris and it sort of looks like fire and then you've got the kong skull island font which is very stylized a lot of there's a lot of really cool little touches in this movie like the font the titles because there's a lot of different locations where they're rounding up the 52 main characters in these next few scenes and it's like 52 (laughs) yeah like I don't, I don't know what it was is happening. Um, yeah. I can tell you this: it it it, it goes to a montage. Um, of similar events. to Godzilla twenty fourteen. Absolutely, um, you know. very similar, very much in the same vein of of that, using much of the same footage for the atomic tests, mm-hmm. um, and sort of revisited, but without that really awesome Alexandre Desplat score and you know uh jackman does does a fine job but it's better when you know he lets creedence clearwater revival do the work for him the montage takes us up to modern day where we kind of segue out of this sort of grainy um film stock into the 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 the, the sort of you know very color corrected for 70s uh, mosaic that is sort of larry fong's how he films the first part of this movie before they get to skull island 
it, and it's 1973, and it's near the Capitol building, and you have um, John Goodman, who's Bill Randa, and uh, Corey Hawkins as Houston Brooks going in and 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 trying to get uh, Senator Willis, played by again esteemed character actor Richard Jenkins. Um, trying to get him to sign off on this deal for Monarch, which it is, it's revealed that Monarch was, was started by uh, Dwight Eisenhower, I believe. They, they, there's a, like Truman a throwaway line. Truman. 46. Truman in 46. Thank you, Nathan. So um, It's important to have, you know, the historical accuracy in a fictional film. Exactly. Fictional, Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what we're about, the facts. As being scientifically correct as possible with a movie about a giant monkey fighting a eating a giant squid, um, or you don't even see what it is. It's just tentacles, yeah. very Japanese. Um, shoving so many tentacles in its mouth. Anyways, uh, not necessary. Sorry. So um, Richard Jenkins says, "Yeah, okay." whatever you can go because i i think uh brooks says something about we don't want the russians to find out what's on skull right. island first or whatever yeah. and he's like well i i hate the russians so it okay you can go um so now they are kind of going around and you know they get we have Brie Larson, her first scene. She's like just in a dark room developing pictures, talking to someone on a phone. Well, let, some let's other not stuff. Gun. Let's um, let, let's talk about where I, you know. So we go from D.C. to Vietnam, which we're introduced to Samuel L. Jackson and his right. crew. Um, the many many yeah. characters in his crew. Yeah, the many, many characters who all have, you know, more than 11 lines uh, of dialogue <laughs> for some right. reason. Who, who, uh, have, who have the positioning of minor characters and yet have vastly more sums of dialogue than uh, San Lin, who is purportedly a main character. Yes. Um, um, for some reason, they, they all have backstories arcs um you know uh, all that wonderful stuff um totally necessary uh for this movie um sam jackson uh we see is a you know disheveled man he, he's uh he's stooping uh, to drinking budweiser yeah budweiser yeah <laughs> not the not the first time uh, yeah, Budweiser, good, good or like not the last time. Sports, sorry, uh, the the vets, you know. It's uh, sorry, it's not the last time there is a gratuitous like five second shot of someone just holding a Budweiser. Oh no, it's in not. this movie. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. I wanted to yeah. be very very clear. Yeah. About that. It's not the last time. Uh, um, but 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 before Sam Jack Sam Jackson gets a call and he's like, yeah. "Hey, you're going to Skull Island." He's like, "Yeah, no, this time do we get to win or whatever?" Yeah. But then they go out to like his team, and this is the first example of what is uh, tragically an ongoing aesthetic with this team, where it's they have the uh like the group character building thing of them saying like jokey dialogue to one another yeah. except and they which they think 
is hilarious and yeah. laugh at big time. And I can yeah. tell you exactly what the joke is. It's, um, let's see. Sorry. Uh, no, I can't because there's too many characters. Basically, yeah. one of them, possibly Chapman, uh, I think Cole or, or possibly Mills, Jason Mitchell, says that, like, their mom sucks like their mom doesn't love them because they only wrote them 34 letters. It's like yeah. they kind of do it's like it's it's like they're talking about his girlfriend writing him letters or right. whatever. And, and then at the, the la- at the end they switch it and it's mom like mom must hate you. Yeah, it's like or, or your mom sucks. First yeah. of all, people didn't use the word sucks in 1973 like that. Number 1. Number yeah. 2, uh that is not a joke. That's not a written joke as as we understand it yeah. uh but they are all laughing they're like oh that's hilarious you know and it's nothing will turn you against a movie faster than characters who are like super amused with themselves and like think they're hilarious and are saying things that are that are quote funny to each other yeah. all the time and like just busting up in laughter constantly this is and this is really hard or related at all. I shouldn't even be saying this, but like I'm rereading Stephen King's it right now. And I love Stephen King. He's, he's great, but like he's completely guilty of this too. Like every five pages in this book, of which is 1400 pages long, you know, it's a group of kids and they'll say some stupid joke to each other. Most of it coming from the character named Richie Tozer, Towser. And they'll all start laughing, and it's like they all laughed hysterically until they cried. And you're like reading it, and you're like, "What? Who gives a sh-? like? I can- I don't think this is funny. Why am I reading this? Why is this book 1,400 pages?" Uh, so this is like the movie equivalent of that, where it's like you got characters just always cracking each other up. They're a bunch of jokesters, but none of the jokes ever actually land yeah and it's like the entire aesthetic of their of all of their scenes is like building up to jokes and none of them are funny and that's a huge problem especially when you devote this much time to these characters Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to say that again really talented actors i don't know what the fuck was going on max borstein must be stopped (laughs) <laughs> and I, I'm sure Derek Connolly and Dad Gilroy have are, are slightly guilty somewhere in here, but like, man. <laughs> so like, so Sam Jackson comes out and he says, "Guys, hold on to your butts." He doesn't say that there. He does say that later. Yeah. Um We're going back. We're going back to to, or we're not going back to Vietnam, but we're going to Skull Island. We have one last mission, and they're like. Yeah let's go or whatever even though chapman major chapman was like writing a letter to his family or whatever and his His son son billy that we hear way too much about um we we spend way too much time on i'm just gonna say that now so much time so much time time devoted to billy and like lame we never see jokes it's just and i think that's what i've just been over for the last five minutes but that's that's what I'm talking about. All the dear Billy stuff. It's just like, what are you? Why is this happening? Um, 
So they go to a bar, and by they, I mean John Goodman and um, Corey Hawkins go to a bar to find a tracker. It's mm-hmm. a scene very reminiscent of uh, Raiders of the Lost Gold. Um, that's a if Kyle Bragg is listening to this, that's for you, Kyle. Um, but it's it like it's it, obligatory obligatory barroom fight. You know, yeah. he he throws a pool or a pool ball into a guy's face, which I yeah. appreciate. I actually, I think he hits. A, a pool ball with a pool cue, like a, sorry, pool cue, like a baseball bat hitting a ball, and it then it that hits the guy in the face, which is like, that's that's pretty great. That's yeah. some cold blooded shit. No, like that guy's and face the, is broken. The lighting scheme and the camera work um, in this bar, fantastic and trippy. Uh, kind of like, um, uh, who did Only God Forgives? Oh, right being put Nicholas. on the spot here who did the cinematography for only god forgives no the the director um, um that was directed by the guy who made drive right so that um, danish guy it looks like it looks like i something should know this i've done. seen this guy do a q a for drive in person <laughs> shit what is Nicholas that guy's name? Something, Nicholas Waning Reference. Nicholas Waning Reference. There Waning we go. There we oh go. God so this looks like something out of that. Like, yeah. Um, and I mean that in a good way. Um, you know, this, you know, in the context of the movie, it's kind of amp, but the camera work right. here is pretty, pretty. It's it, very beautiful. Right. I think you've zeroed in on something else here. It's like there's this movie is a thousand things that are all pretty interesting, but in the yeah. context of the story, is sort of meh. Mm. <laughs> and that's the feeling you get when you're watching it. Except yeah. for every time John C. C. Riley says or does anything. Yeah. Which is instantly amazing. Um, but, you know, we got a lot of soundtrack usage here. You know, we got specifically the White Rabbit song and the Jefferson Starship uh, deal. Starry airplane at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Still in the airplane, not, not evolved yeah. to the Starship yet. But, you know, a lot of great use of the soundtrack. And in, the, in this early section of the movie, it's mostly just like getting through as much exposition slash this character and this character like they go like they pick up brie larson they have a very extremely reminiscent shot of the the 1976 king kong where they're loading up that giant cargo ship at night on a dock yeah which i thought was like again a very direct reference to that it may seem like sort of an obvious thing it's like it's king kong so they're referencing king kong but it's like that is absolutely looks like the same almost the same set yeah um you won't hear too many people talk about the 1976 king kong in relation to this movie which is yeah. weird because they both take place in the 70s yeah whatever one was um, made in the 70s one takes place in the 70s and of course brie larson we we see her doing um photographer stuff she's um put, putting uh, the the paper and the pan and that makes it develop or whatever um whatever that whatever that term is called developing film there we go uh she's developing film in a dark room uh and she gets a call um 
and she finds out she's going to be attached to this trek to mm-hmm. Skull Island. Uh, so she makes her way to the boat. Uh, want want to want to stress again? This is Brie Larson we're talking about, not Brie Olson. There's a significant difference. <laughs> Thank um, you, Nathan. And for that, for more on those differences, you're going to want to contact Carlos Estevez, aka Charlie Sheen. And you can sort of everyone can kind of Google some of those names and see for fun afterwards. See kind of what we're talking about. There's some spoofs and goofs. See, we haven't forgotten how to have a good time on this show, and that's what's important. Nothing's changed. Still as good as ever. Anyways, so Brie Larson, (laughs) Brie Larson, uh, Larson, Lars um, goes to the the boat. Uh, where uh, a crew me- one of the main characters, one of the 50 main characters says, oh, you're a woman. Um, yeah, that guy, that's the only person I didn't write his name down, who yeah, that guy was. I, I, I kept looking in the movie and like, when does this guy die? Doesn't he die some point? I, he gets stepped he on. It, yeah, that, okay, yeah, yeah. At, at the end. Uh, not soon enough. Anyways. Uh, and then she and Sam Jackson uh, trade verbal barbs right. over Vietnam, Vietnam War. pulling out and that sort you of know, thing. That 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 stuff. Right. Uh, Going to keep this apolitical. You know, we're just yeah, here for Godzilla very movies. Apolitical and making sure to heighten the metaphor for when they go into Skull Island, start dropping lots of bombs, and then are attacked by a native. Wink, wink. (laughs) Subtext. Get it? (laughs) So, we have the obligatory, like... Again, it's almost directly out of the 1976 one where they have the slideshow in the little conference room on the cargo ship. I mean, yeah, it's, we're getting real close to shot by shot remake there. Yeah. I Um, mean, you're, you're expecting, uh, Jeff Bridges and Jeff Bridges beard to like interrupt this conference. (laughs) And in a special guest appearance, Jeff Bridges and also Jeff Bridges beard. Um, (laughs) uh, you but yeah, so like Wilson's they have back. they have the <laughs> slide the slide machine, which looks like this ancient abandoned piece of machinery, which made me yeah. feel old because I remember watching like slide shows. Yeah, uh, you know when I was younger. So I mean, in and, fairness, Mike, mo- most American public schools are a good two decades behind, like real technology, right? Like, I remember in high school the TV still having like VH. All the TVs had VHS. They probably still do. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, do you remember in kindergarten like they wouldn't put on a movie, but it would be like a it, it would be film and yeah. like they'd put the in a tape strip. and they'd say when you hear the the beep you have to flip the the picture or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that? I remember, yeah. yeah, I remember all Again, of that. Again, that wasn't built for us. That was built for the generation before us, but the school was like, I mean, if it worked for them, why not keep it for another <laughs> thank, three thank you, decades? For keeping and us it, updated on yes. <laughs> your conspiratorial uh, public school findings. Thank you follow very much. Follow the lack of money. <laughs> Fo- follow the... 
follow the money. Um, so, right, the slideshow, hey, Skull Island, there's been a storm system on it since we started taking pictures, but now we've got LSAT, and we can see it's a big old island, so we should probably go and check it out. Yes. And that's why we're all here, and they go, and there's no mid like slideshow interruption by jeff bridges this time where he's like his name's kong i've got all the research on him right here you know none of that like what are you talking about jeff bridges? Yeah. How, like how do you know that um keep the information in my beard right all you have is john goodman with this vague intuition that like maybe godzilla lives on that island yeah <laughs> you know like because yeah. he destroyed this boat back in again the old of all the characters that really should have the most motivation it should be john goodman but right. his character has been like divided amongst the rest of the cast you know because we basically start with this person he's the one we know the most about who seems to have um you know the the most to gain from this um, like Sam Jackson's motivation comes later. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, okay, we see why we've developed his character enough that we see not why now he's acting the way he is. But John Goodman, we know from the back, this is why he's doing this. Um, and, and of course it comes to nothing, which is, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, so <laughs> he just he gets unceremoniously well we'll get to that but like yeah. yeah no he should have been the main character out of all these people including john c Riley. i do think john goodman is the best actor in the cast yeah. um and he should have gotten more and you know it's sort of a broken record but it's like great cast they should have been given more but I mean, it just keeps coming up. It's every scene that isn't King Kong <laughs> eating or destroying something. It's just this, you as the viewer get hit over the head with this over and over again. This is our torture. So now we're attempting to relay it uh, to you guys. Um, so they take off in their helicopters after uh, Victor Nevis is like, oh, you'll never get me on a helicopter. And then hard cut to him you know, getting on a helicopter, R-D-R-R, -R. and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's the jokes, um, and then, you know, we have the, the helicopters going through these insane storms that would kill yes. anyone, like, there's, it's a suicide mission, yeah. and Samuel L. Jackson's, that's when he says, hold on to your butts, clear yeah. Jurassic Park callback, um, Sam Jackson has this really, like, fascinatingly out of place monologue about Pennsylvania steel that the, well, <laughs> that the helicopters about, are made out of. He's talking about the story of Icarus, and you know how his, you know, he flew too far, you know, to the sun, and, and his wings melted, and he fell to the sea below, and you know, and he said, but you know, the U.S. Army is not you know, a bad father and we have helicopters made from, you know, 100% Pennsylvania steel, something yeah. like that. Well, um, I do, I appreciate the shout out to Pennsylvania. Yeah. I always do. But like, 
to, to, you have to look at it from like, what? Why was he giving this speech here? Because as his character at this point thinks they're going to survey this island for like to map it by dropping charges. Right. So but him giving this like gladiator itself. style. I think speech. he's just talking about them trying to like, yeah, it does seem a little out of place, but it, again, he's, you know, talking them through the storm. Yeah. Like the storm. I think that's why it's there. Although maybe I'm giving them credit for something they weren't doing at all. <laughs> maybe they just wanted to look cool. And Sam Jackson, like, look, you've got one of the best, living actors there yeah. you might as well have him yeah. say a I mean, super don't badass get me wrong. Monologue. he is cool as a cucumber throughout this entire movie like everything he does whether it makes sense to the plot or not is fascinating right it, it's just fun to watch samuel l jackson get mad frustrated or you know want to shoot a mofo um yeah he, he you know he he's that good of an actor um um, uh, and he does that in a lot of movies that really aren't worth anyone's time. It's like the prequels, for example. It's just <laughs> yes. like, well, you know. <laughs> Returning to the prequel hate for, for minimal reasons. Minimal reasons. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's not hate. They're fun. When, I, I, like, you know, I kind of like Phantom Menace. It's no, I, I say out of all three of them, Phantom Menace is the one that actually feels like a Star Wars movie. Yes. Now, like now we're covering game. old ground. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, it's just the it, it just feels the most like a Star Wars film. Yeah. Um. I feel like they moved the camera more than a degree. <laughs> right. Um. So there's a uh, a shot of a Richard Nixon bobblehead, which I thought was pretty great. Yeah. Um and then they 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 come through the clouds and they are driving around sorry, flying around Skull Island and they start dropping the explosives. I mean they drop off I think one of the people lands or whatever one of the choppers lands and starts. One of the choppers lands, I think the Chinook, they uh lay down some equipment. Right. And then they begin dropping the sensor bombs or whatever you know right. whatever that are supposed to be that they are informed are supposed to help with the satellite right because whatever because that houston, makes sense houston brooks as he relays to uh san lynn uh, later on in the movie he wrote a paper about this thing called the hollow earth theory oh right which is why Randa selected him to, to be in Monarch and, and, and helped him sort of devise this, this mission. And I, I, I can't tell if Houston is on board with this bombing to get, to get these things. It's, it's really ambiguous. Yeah. Like, is he, did he know this is how they're going to attain those results by, by using these bombs? Or is this like a shock to him? And cause he's just, well, he has this look of like pregnant concern on his face. Well, there's a moment on the ship where he asked John Goodman, um, if he explained to them why it was necessary for the copters to be armed. And John right. Goodman says, no, no. Like, why worry? Why worry them? You know, so John, they definitely know what's going on. 
they're not sure of the exact results, but they know it's going to create a result. Right. Um, and there's there's a nice cam, and I think I don't think this is a mistake. There's a very deliberate shot of a, a minigun, a Gatling gun, mounted to one of these helicopters, and mm-hmm. you know, as any true Kong fan remembers, it was these very Gatling guns that brought him down at the end of the '76 one. Yeah. So like it's same same exact like model of gun. Yeah. So like and this is where this movie differs from basically the main staple of King Kong films by having Kong fight helicopters or some kind of aeroplane at the beginning of the film. Yeah. You know, uh, that that's normally the coup de grace, coup de grace or whatever at, at the end. That's something like the whole film builds up to. Right. Because it's the it's coolest that. thing you could have him do. Yeah. But <laughs> in is... this, it's like, let's get that over with at the beginning. Right. You and, know, which, you know, I to like... have them stranded on the island, that has to happen. If they're all yeah. in helicopters, he has yeah. to destroy all of the helicopters. But it is... It does feel like the plot of of the the sort of universal kind of Kong narrative that's carried over in every version of Kong yeah. is sort of dropped in a blender and like they hit frappe and certain chunks of it are here, certain things are lost altogether. Like the stuff with the natives and the wall is kind of shows up halfway through and it's like, oh, there's some natives and there's a wall. I don't know. Is anything going to happen to this wall at any point? No, not really. Yeah. But there's a wall. <laughs> you know, it's like, because we have to have the fucking wall because it's King yeah. Kong. But there's no longer, like, the plot has been sort of dismantled. And, like, yeah. it's this, so it's it's weird. Um, yeah. This is an impressive sequence. It's This is a, a great, there's, there's a lot of great, and I will say there's, one of the things I do really like about this movie is there's a lot of great monster action during the daytime and Mm -hmm. it's not raining so it's like this film more than any others i mean there's a couple of quick shots in pacific rim of like gypsy danger whatever like fighting i think it's like a crab monster or something Mm -hmm. during the day but it's like shaky cam or whatever but like this is the first time we've had full sequences in the daytime and it's not raining of of the modern studio yeah. representation of kaiju yeah uh doing their thing and it looks pretty good i i don't know it's no. pretty exciting i mean this I this part delivers the it, action component the day, absolutely delivers lots of action um yeah i i say i was satisfied and again it twists our original assumptions of how this movie is going to work on its end because if you're watching this after seeing every other Kong film it's like okay at the end he's going to be captured taken to some city or somewhere and he's going to fight some airplanes they get that done right out of the back the action the big action happens now and then the characters are like well what do we do now and then you kind of wonder, yeah, what are they going to do now? That's normally what kills a King Kong. Right. So now normal me, this Kong will not go down by normal means, you know? Right. 
I think they wanted to get that out of the way immediately. Just be like, yeah, no, he's not going to be killed by bullets and rockets and missiles this time. Like he's stupidly strong. And like, it just, it like fuck logic. It's, (laughs) you know, he's, you know, at one point he, he grabs onto uh, the rudder of one of the helicopters and it like kind of cuts his hand a little bit. And he's like, Oh, that hurt, you know, but it's not like, you know, if the other if the Kong from seventy six did that, it would be like a horror movie. It'd be like, oh, you know, like his no, it, it hand would get like sawed. Car- it would look like John Carpenter's Kong. By yeah, the exactly. Of- It'd be like you know, goof, goofication, complete. So like, he's this Kong is. It's taken back up to the Toho level of yeah. like insanely indestructible, like. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It no longer makes sense how how strong he is, which yeah. I'm fine with. I'm fully uh, on board. Like that's what I signed on for. Same so, here. <laughs> that's good. A uh, couple of standout moments in this sequence. Um, a guy. There's a there's a lockdown camera shot of inside the helicopter that you know Kong grabs the helicopter and it's waving all around a couple guys get thrown out and then finally this guy who's hanging on to the door sort of lets go and falls into Kong's mouth and just before Kong like sort of closes his mouth and like munches him on camera it it, it does a smash cut to a guy eating a sandwich yeah which I thought was like great because yeah. it's again it's bringing back that idiot moron logic of like Kong eats humans yeah in this one like that that does not make sense for a gorilla like a herbivore to eat yeah. human beings but it's taking it back to that 1933 of like no no yeah he eats humans yeah why not uh why which not? is he fights tyrannosaurus <laughs> and he eats humans right it's like fully endorsed fully yeah. endorsed like bring back the the nonsense the further you can get him away from like the tragic you know, silverback gorilla from the Peter Jackson one, I think is is the full intent here, yeah. where they're just like, oh, maybe that didn't quite work. But again, I mean, that movie was profitable, and we don't want to yeah. re-get into that, but like, clearly, this, this is a Kong that's being set up as not a fragile Kong, not one yeah. that's like, oh, he's gonna get injured, and sort of tragic and now he's kind of licking his wounds and then sort of looking at the helicopters pensively and kind of oh what's his next move and we feel sort of concerned from him no he's a fucking he's a he's a he's a bulldozer like he's 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 a murder machine yeah he's a it's a he's a living dump truck of like indestructibility (laughs) like he can't he's not this isn't phasing him this is like his his tuesday night you know like he he doesn't give a shit so like so which is fine it's fine um, hey we all need hobbies exactly um there's a direct reference to prometheus some prometheus shade uh i believe uh throne where two two soldiers are on the ground and they're running from kong and you know he's obviously stepping with his giant uh, super monkey feet uh destroying shit and the one soldier is sort of running off to the side while the other one is running forward and the one who's running off to the side he's like don't run in a straight line you idiot run to the side 
and the guy who runs to the side survives. And mm-hmm. the guy who runs straight gets stepped on by Kong because Kong is indeed walking in a straight line. Um, to me, this is a 100% reference to the death of a very prominent and important character in the film Prometheus. Can try to I don't know if, if people listening to this give a shit about Prometheus or whatever. Spoilers for that movie, but I kind of have to say this in order for them to make this point. Um, there's the the space horseshoe or whatever that ship is it's you know it's got a circular shape it's crashing at the end of prometheus and it's rolling like a tire and it rolls and you've got the character of charlize theron vickers is her name and she's just running in a straight line directly in the path of this thing rolling and it rolls and it just rolls over and it kills her yeah. and she's supposed to be like the smartest character in the movie so well, like and supposed to be smart like the best and the brightest yeah well that's a whole other can of worms <laughs> but that was a major major point of contention with that movie and i think this was like jordan vaud roberts for reasons unclear, just like throwing shade at Ridley Scott, <laughs> just being like, yeah, yeah, just run to the side, you idiot, <laughs> you know, and that guy lives, and the guy who went straight dies. So, like, yeah. a totally unnecessary dissing of uh, a Prometheus there, but why not? Um, and then afterwards, you know, you've got your basic groups that kind of survive there's so many characters i almost don't even want to get into it you've got the army guys and then like the normal monarch people who survive and one of the things that i did think was very amusing is um jason mitchell the character of mills is like freaking out at cole and cole says he's like eating a sandwich and he's like well it was an unconventional encounter like that and i was like that's okay that's good like this character is great um shea wingham by the way was in an amazing monster movie that no almost no one saw called splinter and if you can track down splinter watch it he's also great in take shelter uh he's michael shannon's like best friend in that who gets betrayed and there's a whole bunch of other stuff he's he's a great actor he's a fascinating actor um but he says it's an uh, it was an unconventional encounter, and given that there was no mer- military precedent, uh, we I think we handled ourselves pretty well, you know. So it's like that. Okay, I'm okay with all of the dear Billy stuff. You could probably drop like seventy percent of that. Um. So many different groups, all doing different things. Scattered throughout the island. <laughs> Scattered throughout the island. Oh. Try to figure out what's going on. Nate, I will let you take it from here. <laughs> well, uh, let's see what does happen. So, um, Brie Larson uh, and Tom Hiddleston and a uh, couple guys. A uh, couple military people. Yeah, the one with the bandana. Um there in one spot samuel l jackson john goodman and a large chunk of the survivors are together um and then uh what's his name chap chaplain chapman chapman Chapman. is off on his own yeah 
So for reasons, Tom Hiddleston decides that they need to find the nearest like river that will lead them. You know, they follow that. That'll lead them to like the sea and to the boat. So they can signal the ship. Yeah. Sam Jackson is trying to get all his men together. So he's looking for chat. Yeah. And... Um, and he also has like a sit down with John Goodman where he points a gun at his head and uh, asks him to fucking explain himself. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and there's the, there's no one. It is a PG-13 movie. And we'll get into the one use of, of the fuck word. And yeah. uh, it may be the greatest use of fuck in a PG-13 movie ever. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that in a bit. But yeah, now we just basically have a series of set pieces where they'll be walking around and there'll be some terrible monster or something that kills maybe one of the people. Yes. And then they'll kill that. Like, yeah. Um, including the, the tree spider uh, thing yeah tree spider which also does and i want to thank uh listener of the podcast nick young for uh bringing this information to my attention but that was an homage to not just the spider pit scene from that was cut from the original kong but also to cannibal holocaust where yes. you have a guy impaled by a large tube object through his throat and uh, yeah. out out his other crevasse. Um, direct, yeah. in my mind, direct reference to Cannibal Holocaust, yeah. which is so. a messed up movie, and yeah. I would not recommend watching it for any purpose. Uh, it's yeah. one of Kyle Bragg's favorite movies. Godzilla oh, yeah. vs. Megalon co-host Kyle Bragg. <laughs> yeah, one of his favorite movies. I mean, it's good again. And to remind our listeners, what, what shouldn't they eat after uh, seeing Cannibal Holocaust, Mike? Or just anything? Anything. Any food. Any, I don't. Food. Uh, definitely not turtle soup, because uh, <laughs> there's like a 15-minute like tor snapping turtle dissection scene for no yeah. reason in that movie. That movie is sadistic. It's yeah, uh, but it has its fans and they're loyal. Yeah. So, <laughs> and apparently one of them is Jordan Vaught Roberts. <laughs> um, it sounds like I'm saying Jordan Von Roberts. It's V O G T Jordan Vacht Roberts. Vacht Roberts. Um, but yeah, apparently he loves Cannibal Holocaust enough to. Reference it in this PG thirteen move tentpole movie for like so it's just a bitch five seconds. Let's take John Milius movies, King Kong, and Cannibal Holocaust. Why not? Um, there's a scene where, um, I think you you mentioned Chapman witnesses Kong fighting something with tentacles. We don't know if it's an octopus. We don't know if it's a squid. Here's the thing. Again, this is a moment that I think, if this was a tighter film, would have been beautiful. Because um, you have this moment where he's observing Kong at like a moment of weakness, where he's kind of licking his wounds a bit. You know, not too much, because you know, he's King Kong. Um, and I'm assuming from the eating of the octopus, that's a reference to Godzilla versus King Kong with the the fight with the octopus at the beginning that yeah. that's that's what i got from it that's when first viewing it that's what i got but i did find it a nice moment before the octopus that's just like observing king kong we just have this nice punctuated moment 
Now, if this movie had less main characters, this would be better. Like if Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston had this moment, and maybe this is a moment where they see like, oh, Kong ain't so bad, you right. know. And it's it's yeah. almost repeated exactly where the, in the scene where Brie Larson stumbles upon the the water buffalo who's has a helicopter sort of pinned yeah. into the ground, and then Kong comes up and like grabs the helicopter and frees the water buffalo and just sort of nonchalantly tie, tosses aside the helicopter and explodes. I, I, I like yeah. that part. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it's almost the exact same scene. I mean, yeah. from a plot standpoint, it accomplishes the same thing, where it's like, oh, here's Kong. He's this majestic guy. He's very powerful, but he maybe he sees you, he senses you, but he's not going to kill you on sight and look at these yeah. fantastic things he can do, but he's not necessarily your enemy. And it's like... Yeah. You only need to show that scene one time, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and then there's the scene with the, there is they do have a similar scene where they just witness a water buffalo and don't shoot it. That again is a good scene, and I think it does. That's you know, a good scene. Yeah, it, it it shows that they have concern for it's just like okay, we don't need to kill everything we see. We just need to you know save ammunition, and they have this you know nice moment with the water buffalo where they just keep going and again it adds a little world building they just have this moment where they just kind of are introduced to i guess the odd maybe not rules but like just the how things work here right which includes giant water buffalo <laughs> yeah that was that moment really drew me in because like that was that was possibly the moment i was most engaged with the movie because it's just like looking into the water buffalo's face and just like seeing all of the like flies and things flying around its eyes and i'm like shit that must be like super annoying to be that giant water buffalo and just having hundreds of flies just flying yeah. around your huge giant terrifying bowling ball eyes you know all day well that's why he was underwater <laughs> that's why he's underwater it all makes sense it's all mm -hmm. it finally it's beginning to add up it's all um but yeah that scene is beautiful and it, i don't like it, it's good to have a movie like this that has as you were talking about before it has these moments of beauty and it's it's it feels it can rest and, and show these things. That's fine. What I'm talking about is having the same scene twice, right. which is not fine. Yeah. It's redundant. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of like, it turns this from like, well, what kind of movie are we watching here? Are, is this, is this a real, a real movie? Or is it like a $185 million remake of like Godzilla's Revenge where it's just Kong walking a little ways, fighting a monster, defeating mm -hmm. it, and then walking another ways and then fighting something else, you know, at rinse and repeat, which yeah. that has its place as well. But it's it never quite decides which one of those things it is, you know? Right. And and so so as an audience, we don't know. Yeah. What like what are the stakes? Who is the main character? Is Kong the main character? Yeah. I don't know. Should we, like what should we feel about yeah. him? Nothing. It's like yeah. what what do I feel about a you know an aircraft carrier? <laughs> you know like 
Well, Michael Bay and uh, Roland Emmerich seem to think that they have a lot of character, which is why at least five of them explode in each of their movies. <laughs> so at, least, air, at least has to be five aircraft carrier explosions. Cannibal Holocaust, aircraft carrier Holocaust. That's the that's the going to be the autobiography of Michael Bay. Um, <laughs> he's a great man. Um, he's an auteur. It's people can't see it now, but he is an auteur. Yeah. Um, so John C. Riley shows up, and he he's great, and everything he says is is pure gold, and he's hysterically funny, and he's clearly like improvising most of his lines. Uh, he talks see. about Kong and stuff. He talks about the skull crawlers. Yeah. Um, which are sort of the main nemeses. Nemesis yeah. of Kong in this film. Bad dudes. Bad dudes. Bad um, dudes. Sort Blame of modeled up. after the that two-legged lizard snake thing that almost gets Jack Driscoll at the yeah. the pit sequence in the original Kong. Like Jordan Vod Roberts has gone on record and saying like those things are like modeled after that one particular thing that Jack cuts the vine and falls to his death. Right. The 33 Kong. Yeah. Um, supposed to be those updated. Um, so, John C. Riley, you know, it's it, it's definitely like a bunch of exposition and stuff, but he does a great job, and, and he's such a good actor that it's it's a, it's a lot of fun to listen to him. And it, as I said before, it's like an oasis in the middle of this movie where it's like, oh, finally a character that's like, I can understand his motivations yeah <laughs> you know and understand it's there's a pureness there to his character and the depiction of his character and like there's choices that he makes that are like interesting that makes him stand out in a, in a way that where the rest of the characters are just cardboard cutouts or yeah. really annoying i think my only problem and it's not really even a problem with him it's just the story it's like i feel like because the rest of the actors play portray characters that are very stilted. John C. Riley, while both comic relief, also just seems out of place. And it's like you kind of feel like the movie would have been better if they had just maybe not had John Goodman or just like really focused on yeah John C. Riley. Yeah, because um, they are almost sort of the same character. Yeah, like. Um, and it's just, uh, I don't know. Um, there, there's some like goofiness to his character that may be a little bit over the top. But again, like if they weren't trying to play like dark serious with, you know, ha 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 comedy, um, I, I feel like it would have been better. Um, yeah. Um, and, and there's some other things we'll get into later, but yeah, no, but, um, it, it is good. It is good exposition. Um, told in a fun way in a new location. That's, that's fun. Yeah. Um, and they, they go to like the natives and this is, this is something we have to talk about every time we talk about a, yep. a King Kong movie is, is the depiction of natives and have they yet to crack the 
uh, a puzzle of depicting them and not having it be final level racist. Yeah. And I think this is the first Kong movie that kind of takes it from a different angle. And, and I believe they, there's the natives are, are depicted. They look much more Asian uh, in yeah. this movie than ever before. Um, they don't, they're, they're not literally wearing is. blackface like they are yeah. in the Peter Jackson version, which is like concerning. Well, they're, they're basically just Urukai at that point. Right. Like that, that's how like disturbing that was. Yeah. And, uh, but these they're, guys, they're not like, they're not savage. They're no. not, they've got face paint, but it's really cool, intricate sort of almost like tattoos or that yeah. it's got this sort of almost digital kind of computer like like old very pixelated like, pixelated kind of thing to it. it's really it's really beautiful and and their village is really great um sort of looks and reminds me of uh sort of like the the um the nice area from from no escape with ray liotta and no. lance henriksen you need to see that movie immediately um, and again for me it's like this sort of a like, sanctuary on the island yeah well for me this feels like farewell to the king um you right. know where yeah where, where which i have not seen sorry oh, so i'm sorry well farewell to the king you know the the as i mentioned earlier nick nolte ends up becoming like a king of um, this group of natives in Borneo, and they are isolated from the rest of the world. Um, and then he helps convince them to fight the Japanese um, with help from British who like parachute stuff. And he doesn't want to at first because they're in this like very beautiful oasis away from everything. Why should they participate in this? Um, you know, and there are consequences when they do. It's not just like, well, you know, we'll, you know, break our neutrality and we'll we'll go fight and there'll be no consequences. No, like the basically their way of life is nearly destroyed because of it. Right. There may be consequences to what has happened on Skull Island to these natives and, and their seemingly sort of peaceful coexistence with these fantasy giant monster things um they have constructed a giant wall that's like got a ton of spikes that are all all the spikes by the way are jagged facing outward at like 45 degree angles and covered with viscera covered with gore like blood so like something has actively rubbed up against and impaled itself on these spikes so it's sort of a very kind of almost like a, a grisly image that they sort of sneak in there because the wall itself is so uh, sort of elegantly and beautifully um, constructed. Uh, so like it's it's one of the most actually it's one of the most badass depictions of like the natives wall on Skull Island or whatever. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, you know. They're probably not going to destroy this wall in this movie. He's put. They're not going to have the scene, which is like yeah. my favorite scene in any Kong movie, where it's like Kong comes and breaks through the wall. Yeah. Um. Because of Kong's, it Kong doesn't have sort of the nemesis, um, 
stature with these people. He's more of a friendly yeah. protector and, and 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 sort of a sort of sort of a god to them, a, but a, like a benign god. Like I, I don't get the feeling that they're like sacrificing virgins to appease Kong. I, I think no. it's much more like they maybe have like a pile of uh, you know Fruit. soma berries or whatever. <clears throat> that they push out there like on a tarp like yeah. on the first Tuesday every month or whatever yeah. you know it's much more of a chilled out vibe <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a chilled out vibe you know whatever at last uh you know <laughs> at last so <laughs> david david you i told you to, to to list three things that's just that's just management speak and i know you hate that no it's not increased efficiency okay uh sorry <laughs> i watched life on the road david brent life on the road by the way sort of sad not not as good as the office um, but he does bring back the song equality street which is amazing but anyway, uh, <laughs> slightly off topic there. Um, oh, us? <laughs> us? Off topic? Whatever. Who's it? What is the topic? Kong the Skull topic? Island? That's Kong barely Skull. a topic. Uh, yeah. um, so let's see. I have, what do I have in my copious notes? Chapman finally gets killed. Who cares? Yeah. Is the next exactly. note I have. Uh, only Samuel L. Jackson this point only samuel L. jackson wants to find him um eventually they all pull together uh, all everyone on john c Riley's side pulls together um and makes his boat plane plaboat whatever they call it yeah uh, the, like the silver fox or whatever it's called yeah uh and that goes under the wall because there's a little gate thingy that allows boats to go under because which is really cool yeah um, because the script said so right um and it, it goes under the wall and they begin their way um they finally get into radio contact with um with samuel L. jackson now what none of them have witnessed yet which we see in chapman's scene is the fact that chapman is killed by one of the under skull skull crawlers skull crawlers yeah Yeah. skull crawlers so we know that there is some impending doom on the way and um they don't anyways so they radio samuel jackson he shoots up a flare so they know where he is so they're on their way to get him and then uh john ortiz bites it yes the the bird thing which is like that's well, is a terrifying and and demoralizing scene, and it's like something yeah. out of Stephen King's The Mist, yeah. more than like a King Kong movie, yeah. where they're on the boat and these things swoop down. Again, these are like bat, but they're like bird bats with the like saw beak things that literally look like a saw blade. Their beaks, um, and they grab him and they take him up into the sky and it's up against the sun you get a nice silhouette of his body and then they like tear his body apart and cut through it with their beaks yeah uh, <laughs> so and, it's like very 
grotesque and like yes. and very pretty demoralizing. At the same time, much like Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Again, it all comes back to Cannibal Holocaust. Follow yes. the money. Um, <laughs> uh, follow, follow the food. <laughs> follow the money. Follow the food. Follow your nose. Um, they have a whole sequence where they meet up and they decide to go after Chapman and Samuel Jackson agrees that if Chapman is dead they'll keep they'll keep going to the rendezvous point basically the whole back half of this movie is just pe- them trying to get to this rendezvous as as you I'm sorry as you've already said um but and then Sam Jackson just wants to get to the munitions cuz he wants to blow up Kong yeah um they go Again, into this boneyard. Character not wanting to pull out. He wants exactly until the job is done. Like a certain conflict that he might have been involved with. I wonder which one that was. Now that conflict oh. has been replaced with a con conflict, which will lead to a confrontation uh, and an epic conclusion. Um. I snow what you mean. I, I snow what you mean. <laughs> You're dead weight, Phil. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was from the program The Simpsons, which used to be funny back in you know the '90s. That's fine. Pointless. Dead horse beating alert. Um, so they go to this boneyard of like dead Kong bones, which is a very striking and an amazing scene that we have almost no time to go into in any detail yeah. of any kind we'll just hit the um uh, uh the the, the high get, points they find out that the gas is like methane so it explodes right all right um, uh then one of the skull crawlers comes out they all hide it coughs and uh a skull with chapman's name dog tags, tags or dog tags which yeah, conveniently tags. is at like precise eye level and turned yeah. correctly so that uh loki tom hiddleston yeah. can read it easily yeah. he doesn't have to squint yeah. he doesn't even have to fucking squint he's just there and it's like chapman's dog tags are just like in front of his yeah. face We're like oh i guess it ate chapman that's yeah. that's cracker jack plotting right there my um main character and focus of the story john goodman randa gets eaten yeah. like dispatched there okay there is a funny john bit. c riley uses a sword <laughs> john c riley uses a sword if from his friend uh the japanese pilot who crashed on the island and that that's that part's pretty cool um i will say that there's a good bit where they're smoking cigarettes and like they you know toss it to one of these methane vents and they're like don't fucking do that like don't do that or whatever and like john goodman is looking at him like don't like don't have the fl- the you know don't cause any sparks with the you know the cigarettes you idiots or whatever and then he's like taking a flash with his camera and it creates a huge spark yeah and it's just like and he's not even aware of it that Again, solid actual joke number two. Yeah. You know, an hour and a half into the movie. Perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then John Goodman gets eaten. And it's very sad because John Goodman is an amazing actor. And it's, you know, I wish 
you know, it's too bad. He gets eaten, and he's the main character, I thought. I don't know what the fuck's yeah, going on. maybe. So, Who knows? He's dead. Uh, and then, Sam, so Sam Jackson's like, set up the 50! And this is my other favorite part of the movie, where they set up the 50 cal, and... The thing that's eating these people, by the way, is the the skull crawlers. Yeah. Um, which are these serpentine things with, uh, you know, very muscular legs, but they only have like, t- you know, two appendages. Um, two legs. Legs that big they tail and on. a big fucking head. A big part yeah, exactly. It's like a snake that grew two arms that have a membership to, like la fitness or whatever yeah. you know so it's like disproportionately least, yeah. ripped arms attached to a snake <laughs> so it's like a little weird um so they you know sam jackson's like set up the 50 they set up the 50 cal on a tripod that's a on machine a gun triceratops's skull yeah on a triceratops so like i guess there were dinosaurs on this island at some point yeah. and um because why not because why not at this point it's like you got the giant water buffalo why not and they set up the 50 and then the skull crawler makes an attack towards the 50 like charges the guy who's shooting the 50 and just destroys him doesn't is not affected by the 50 cal at all and like the samurai sword can cut his leg for some reason but the 50 caliber useless (laughs) does nothing and um that I, I really like that. I liked all the pageantry of like, you know, Sam Jackson being like, set up the 50. And like, they have all the like the commando like shots of like the extreme like legs coming down to the tripod and the loading yeah. it and oiling it up and like caulking it or whatever. Yeah, this it's like, is all oh, like seven seconds. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, oh, they're, they're fucking serious now. You know, it's <laughs> happening. And then this call crawler just it's nothing it just swats at him side and kills that guy and then again with the fucking flamethrowers uh (laughs) again with the flamethrowers this is i think the third time in a kong movie after king kong lives that they break out the flamethrowers um so yeah and again the flamethrowers getting breaking out the flamethrowers in a giant field of methane where there are enormous craters that do nothing but emit methane at toxic levels and then strapping you know flame throwers to to the soldiers backs actually not the best of plans Hmm. and they all get killed spectacularly um and then tom hiddleston like one of the guys with like the gas gets killed and the the all this nerve gas explodes yeah and it's not like the real vietnam where like agent orange like you know gave people cancer and drove them insane it's just sort of look you know it's this nice sort of like party favor like green gas it looks like something from like the first batman movie like this you know fantastical and then like you know john c riley he John C. He's like sword, and John C. Riley throws in the sword. He puts on a gas mask, and then we get this Zack Snyder yeah. sequence where he's slow cutting through the birds that are also attacking and trying to make his way to <laughs> what was he trying to get again? I uh, uh, he was trying I to save the one of the younger soldiers who's wearing a right. bandana who we didn't we didn't write down his name. Oh yeah, but, no, that, um, that one. 
this is absolutely like falls under the give them something to do category of like mm. he has to prove that he's like an adventurer and like this is a good scene to do that so he's like chopping through these these bat bird jigsaw beak things <clears throat> and it's it's fine it's cool you know yeah. it's neat it's good it's good heroing it's good adventuring yeah you know i'm not gonna say it's like lame or anything it's much easier to follow than anything in batman versus superman dawn of justice so i'll give it that um that movie has problems that we can't we can't get into here again superman crying in every scene i don't want to be superman what's happening that is not a superman movie um it's fine Uh, anyways um so they they have a little um powwow where it's discussed that chapman is dead and they Mm -hmm. have the final thankfully utterance of the of the dear billy motif yeah um, from from some of the like mills it's like dear billy your father was a hero or some some ignoramus boneheaded deal like that and uh and then you know sam jackson reveals his plan is like no no no, we're gonna kill king kong that's that's what i really want to do and john c Riley's like you can't kill king kong like he's a god what like what are you talking about and uh they get into a little fight and uh they split off again so the group was reunited briefly now they're split back in two with it being sam jackson heading up the rest of the soldiers and then the people from monarch brie larson and tom hiddleston and john c Riley are their own group and those are really the only characters that i like sort of care about i guess just because john c john c Riley's with them and brie larson is there um and this is where you get the the to me the climax of the movie where um uh hudson is is talking sorry houston is is kind of talking to john c Riley because like like tom hiddleston and and um brie larson like go off like they walk away for because they like have to track something or whatever yeah and so it's just it's just those two characters talking yeah sorry it's just houston brooks and uh and Marlo, John C. Riley's character, Marlo talking. And John C. Riley's like, everything is dangerous on this island. You hear that bird? It's not a bird. It's an ant. It sounds like a bird, but it's a fucking ant. <laughs> he says, like, he says, fuck. He says, it's a fucking, <laughs> like, it sounds like a bird, but it's a fucking ant. I don't know. I guess he had to be there. I thought it was amazing use of, of fuck because you it's PG thirteen movie so you only get to yeah. say it one time but it's like it's completely it has nothing to do with anything and yeah. by the way I think it's a bird yeah I, I think he's just losing Supposedly, his mind it was a reference to them I don't remember the ants and them sounding like birds um did they sound like birds well, I'm so, where are you getting that that it's a reference that was to them? one of the trivia points on um. I think imdb like that was supposedly a reference to them and i just don't recall the ants from them uh, bird noises so yeah, i'm no, just I like mean, i think the, it was just made up the ants from them 
absolutely make sort of loud, kind of grindy, yeah, chirping noises. But they don't sound like birds. They don't like, sound like birds. That sounded like a bird. That was not. Yeah. That was not one of the sounds. Or from perhaps man. it wasn't an ant. Perhaps it was. Uh, perhaps a giant vulture. Maybe one as big as a battleship. <laughs> <laughs> the, the flying claw. Claw. <laughs> That when are um, we gonna do that episode? Because that needs to be discussed at some point. Um, I'll let my shipment of absinthe come in before uh... <laughs> you can begin the preparations. Yeah. So, sounds like a bird, but it's Sathrax a fucking ant. Uh, after John C. Riley says that, you know, that's basically the high point of the entire extended, you know, monster universe at this point. Yeah. Um, Cole sacrifices himself because they they're being chased by the the main the mama skull crawler or whatever yeah and, and cole pulls the pin on some of his grenades he's like come on you know mills go ahead go live your life or whatever he turns around to give the big heroic sacrifice and um the skull crawler just sort of swats him with his tail and he goes and he hits a mountain and he like explodes a lot mm. like his body it's a giant explosion and no, wait. uh that's, didn't that, that happen after sam jackson tries to kill kong no, no, no. I, or wait, maybe it did. Maybe I completely passed over that entire section <laughs> with my notes. It happens at some point. Yeah. Uh, yes, you are they... correct. You are correct. They, sorry. Um, that's no, right. I just didn't take any notes hey, you know from what? that Most whole section. Most of these scenes could be interesting. Exactly, because uh. th- that whole part is so unremarkable. You yeah. Yet again, have Samuel L. Jackson be like, you know, I hate you, mother. And he's like, he's oh, he's gonna say motherfucker because that's what he always says. But then Kong, you know, hits him with his thing or whatever. It's like, yeah, we get this it. PG like, thirteen, exactly. Like that, that was getting old in like Deep Blue Sea, you know, <laughs> like and that was like twenty years ago. So maybe yeah, it's right a little bit harder. But yeah, Sam Jackson goes full Colonel Kurtz. Um, tries to kill kong doesn't work so well he gets flattened this is at night oh and and brie larson and tom hiddleston have a, a fun moment where they're just looking into kong's eyes and nothing really happens and then yeah. kong walks away because uh, he's distracted by the fire that sam jackson he's sam jackson is is poured this rocket fuel or whatever into this lagoon and he lights it on a fire with a torch at the precise moment that kong is walking through and it kind of burns kong and fucks him up a little bit and there's sort of a Mexican standoff, and basically one of the guys turns on Samuel L. Jackson at the last moment, and sanity is sort of restored to the group, and they are like, "Let's get the hell out of here." And Sam Jackson is 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 smashed, is squashed by the the fist of Kong, and um, and then Kong begins his fight with the the Mama Skull Crawler which is 10 minutes long. It's 10 minutes of screen time just devoted to this one fight. Uh, now, Kong has already killed the other two skull crawlers. Yeah. Um, earlier in the movie. Um, which we see in a cutscene. Which we see in a cutscene while John C. Riley is giving exposition. So that yeah. gives you an idea of some, some of the sort of structural problems yeah. with this movie. Um, no. That absolutely should have not been done in a cutscene, but um, I, I will say that this fight scene is uh, 
pretty spectacular. And again, it happens during the daytime. Like it starts at night uh, with Sam ja- after he's squashed by Sam Jackson, but then the actual fight happens during the day. Um, and it gets really insane. Um, and I think uh, after watching it, this movie really should have been called Kong Master of the Flying Guillotine. Uh, <laughs> or like, do you, do you get what I mean by this? Or or King Kong Deadly Alliance, or like some, some sort of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, because like, he's like this is he just at one point he turns into Scorpion from Mortal yeah. Kombat in this because yeah. he there's um a, a a very old boat that I thought was was going to be the, like they, they might say that it was like the venture you know to sort of a reference but it's actually it's called the wanderer whatever mm-hmm. kong gets thrown into it and he's uh, the the chains uh from the anchor get wrapped around him and like the skull crawler's sort of like kicking his butt for a while and then uh brie larson shoots a flare into the skull crawler's face and that kind of fucks him up yeah. for a while and it gives kong enough um time to like grab the chains and break the chains and then he he i don't know if he intentionally does this because it seems what he does is it's twisted around the uh the the the, propeller the prop so he's swinging it and again this is like master of the flying guillotine which i want to point out master of the flying guillotine is actually a sequel to one-armed boxer so it's really one arm boxer versus master of the flying guillotine. Anyways, this you know scene is like something out of a kung fu film, you know. <laughs> right. Where he, he's swinging this thing around, or like you said, Mortal Kombat. Like it's it's so ridiculous, and yet it's so different from any like kaiju film specific. Like if you wanted to see something like this, you'd have to watch like Evangelion, or you know. Or yeah, this like this is ref like. This reminded me of the level of creativity with weapons, mm-hmm. as far as like, um, like the, the Gamera movies from the '60s, where they're yeah. like using their environment, like Jackie Chan style, using their environment and like using weapons. So we're already yeah. deep level into like kaiju fighting insanity, and yeah. this is two movies in, yeah, <laughs> into the franchise. So who the fuck knows what they're going to be doing in the thing where Godzilla's fighting Mothra and Rodan and Ghidra all at the same time. They're going to be like, I don't know, throwing, who knows? Like, where do you go from here? They'll be like, boulders that are everywhere. Yeah, they'll get the boulders. Or they'll probably have like, Rodan pick up Godzilla and like, fly up to the, (laughs) to the outer space. And then like, throw him down on Ghidra and like dive yeah. bomb him or whatever <laughs> you know and and we're, we're at long last we've descended <laughs> into the sort of talking that we promised we'd never do on this nope. show but what I've what I'm trying to say is that this movie already like he's swinging around a propeller and, and hitting this thing that's lunacy <laughs> like yeah. but it's great it's easily the yeah. best part of the movie other than the uh, you know stuff with john c Riley, um and yeah and then he fucking he rips this thing's like entire all of its vital organs out like he reaches because yeah, he 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 reaches in and grabs uh brie larson 
mm-hmm. not Brie Olson, uh, Brie Larson, reaches in right. and grabs her, like Kong grabs her out of the water, and then the skull crawler like bites Kong's hand up to like the elbow, and then Kong rips rips the stuff out and kills the shit out of this thing. And then Brie Larson's fine. I mean, she's like yeah. out of breath for like 30 seconds when she's like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> she comes back to life. Um, so, but yeah, at, at, in, in the middle of that sequence, Cole sacrifices himself. And it's like mm-hmm. totally pointless. And I think possibly a metaphor for maybe the war. Who knows? Like the the pointlessness of war. Pointless of what? Pointlessness of making metaphors about that war in a King Kong movie. The point the pointlessness of having more seeds. Um, but yeah, the the end fight is ten minutes long, and it's pretty great. And the Mama Skull Crusher Skull Crawler, excuse me, gets like a fatality performed mm-hmm. on it um yeah. and that's pretty great and uh then they go to the back to the boat and they go find the helicopters which kong has magically learned not to destroy over the course of the last three days like he doesn't hate helicopters anymore he's just like yeah. oh these must be i'm cool with you helicopters yeah <laughs> uh okay and uh sure (laughs) they cut to john c Riley having the completely unearned happy ending for his character can we talk about this scene it's just tonally just odd first of all they're playing music if it i i didn't check but it sounded disturbingly close to the theme for saving private ryan which i felt like insulting in an odd way yeah and um, it also reminded me of like the end of Face Off, when John Travolta comes back to his wife or whatever, and like through the door, and it's like, oh, this magic. It's like, you know, they just killed a bunch of people, but like it's, it's sort of like that. Yeah. Where it's and like, what? He's this is watching a little... the Cubs game while drinking a Budweiser. Well, yeah, and we get the yes. next big old splash image of uh, of a Budweiser. Because Budweiser cares for our veterans, so exactly. maybe, I, I guess I, I guess that's what we're trying to um, to, to get here. The product placement, yeah, um, it's it's a weird sequence and it's a bizarre choice yeah. to end the movie on this. Uh, also, um, his wife looks the same age as his son. Like he looks old. Like yeah. he looks very he, very old. He may be his own grandpa. And for more intel on that, you should watch The Stupids uh, starring Tom Arnold um, and directed directed by John Landis, by the way. Um, and then they have the credits and the credits, since it's a, mo- it's a modern effects tentpole movie, the credits are nine and a half minutes long. Yeah. Because of all the effects houses and stuff now, that had to work on this. And then, okay, post credit scene. scene at the end because like they, the the movie theater i was watching it in of course had people unprofessionally cleaning the theater while the credits were rolling that's a big no 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 big no um and i knew there was something at the end because it under the copyright section it said 
King Kong, Godzilla, Ghidorah of Mothra. Yes. Right, Tohoku. Yeah. So I knew yeah. at that point, like, I, there has to be something at the end. And sure enough. Um, because I was a little nervous with, you know, people cleaning during the credits. Like, is this a sign or something? And, yeah, you know, I guess you're not supposed to do that. Anyways, yeah. uh, maybe it's um, okay at Regal. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, throwing shade at Regal. Regal is a quality they theater have chain. Comfortable, they have very comfortable seats. They have seats. comfortable seats. Very comfortable seats with like the electronic leg. Open. Look, they, I love yeah. watching First Look starring Maria Menudos, the number one pre-film <laughs> entertainment package uh, in, the, in the country, apparently. Uh, yeah, the Regal's, Regal's fine. They're trying their best. Um, yeah. I guess. Anyways, um, yeah. So, so the scene, they go to. They are in monarch. I mean, it's sort of like the interrogation of Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson's uh, character, mm. where Tom Hiddleston, like a boss, throws a pencil at a mirror, and the pencil snaps in half when mm. it hits the mirror. You know how fucking hard you'd have to throw a pencil to have it break in half? I mean, you'd have to, like, it would have to be, like, 60 miles an hour throwing it. It's, like, it's impossible. Anyways. So it's called pulling a Hiddleston. And then the mirror slides up, and it's um, Houston and, excuse me, I've forgotten all the characters' names. Yes. Because <laughs> it's the a good movie. The one and then the other one. You Sorry, it's Houston about. Brooks and it's San Lin, and they show them a series of, of photographs on a, another slide machine projector, and they're yep. of cave paintings of Godzilla, and Mothra, and Rodan, and King Ghidorah, and then at the end it shows a picture of all four of them fighting each other, right. and then hard cut to black. And then you hear the Godzilla roar from Godzilla 2014, which is yeah. the final thing that we absolutely had to do this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so. Again, like, there's no, they're not giving us a choice. Um, yeah, yeah, we can't, we can't weasel our way out of this. Look, it yeah. would have been perfect to end at fifty episodes with Shin Godzilla. Yeah. That would have been the perfect, dignified way to go out. Yeah, but Warner Brothers was having none of it. They say, yeah. "Guess what? Gonna start making Godzilla movies again. Fuck yeah. up that whole dignified, cool final run that oh, Viking like had." This is like an out of control Viking funeral. <laughs> uh right so um anyways so kong skull island i know we've been talking about it for two hours and 20 minutes but it's it's interesting it doesn't feel it you know the the, the wording was on godzilla 2014 is that it was the first post-human blockbuster um and that the humans didn't really affect the plot one way or the other. And so I guess this would make this the second post-human movie where it's like yeah. the main character is Kong and everyone else is basically just fodder. Um, and to me, this movie, it doesn't feel like watching a movie. It feels like 
someone made a movie based off of a theme park ride, but like transcribed the story exactly, you know, mm-hmm. like, so it's just it, all those things that would normally be in a movie are not in this. It's just sort of like characters who are ushered from one point to another being harassed by various monsters of, of, of various sizes. And then yeah. Kong comes and beats the tar out of everything and like yeah. a lot of people die but like you it does is any of this making sense no i i agree it's you know it, it's hard to argue for logic in these movies right but yes here let, let, let me just put you this way very conflicted <laughs> i got a new television a few months ago as a very nice big screen and one of the first movies i decided to christen it with was uh, my old dvd copy of godzilla versus mechagodzilla now there are there's nothing that really makes sense in that movie uh at all and yet despite the quirky, sometimes annoying characters um, and, and, you know, grotesque violence, I find that movie charming. And I will continue to watch it again. And again, I'm watching this movie by myself. It's not like, you know, I was you know drunk with friends and I was like, well, I guess we could put this on as background noise. It was like, no, I, I felt like watching it and enjoying it. Uh, and I did. Um, and... I feel like, and the characters in that movie do affect the plot. Like, they have to do something to truly affect the outcome of the end of the film. They have to get right. the statue to the one spot in Okinawa and the, something with the sun. The, the Sekizawa. Yeah, the Sekizawa. School of. Of thought. Of thought. Yeah. So, is it cheesy? Is it goofy? Yes. Is it entertaining? Yes. Will I continue to watch it year after year after year? Yes. King Kong on Skull Island, it was fun when I watched it the first time, but watching it the second time, I'm just kind of like, you know, the thrill is gone. Um, Is it bad? No. Is it something that's just going to stay with me for a long time? No. Um, uh, I, I think that's just the way it is and again to beat a dead horse which i will on every episode uh of this podcast you know the the true art of the monster film especially in the kaiju genre is that the human characters must be as equally interesting as the monsters all right when you know you you don't that doesn't mean you have to see the monster every second of the movie. It doesn't mean you have to see the human characters every second of the movie, but there needs to be some kind of an accord betwixt the two. Um, so that way, no matter who is on the screen, you feel like you're getting something out of it, whether it's empathy over, you know, a giant monster or maybe sympathizing with the plot plight of the human characters, like in Godzilla versus Mothra, when they're trying to convince the, uh, people of Infant Island, to, you know, please, you know, bring Mothra to help us. I know nuclear war, uh, nuclear radiation is horrible, but you know, if if you don't do this, then more people are going to die, and they're, you know, the, your actions here will affect you know generations from now, et cetera, and so forth. You know, there, there's something compelling about that. Right. It can't just be yeah. patiently waiting 
through the stuff with the humans, whether they get yeah. killed off or whatever they decide to do, who cares, until the next scene where the monsters show up. Right. And I think that's what sort of not kills this movie, but makes it as something, yeah, okay, it's disposable popcorn entertainment and it works and there's some funny gags, but it's not, it doesn't really congeal and it doesn't have that momentum that those yeah. other ones had. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it's like, like, look at Terminator and Terminator 2. There's lots of great non-action moments in those movies, you know? Right. Whether it's, you know, like the thumbs up or, um, you know, I'll be back, you know, just these little moments we remember that are in between the action. Right. Um, or, or when Arnold Schwarzenegger gives the one cop like the the rocket launcher and he says, here, hold this. And then he yeah. takes off that guy's gas mask and the guy's like, what? <laughs> I don't. I remember that that part. Yeah. No one else does. But I, it's a fun little, like every yeah. part has to be a fun little engaging thing, or else you've lost the audience. Yeah. And for large sections of this movie, you're just like, you can just unfocus your eyes, take little naps, and wake up because yeah. it's like, who cares? Who cares about Chapman and his yeah. son Billy? Who cares? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. And their yeah. their mission to go get him then is meaningless. Yeah. You know, so it's like... There's no... Like, if they got him... If this char- if there were less characters and this character was seen as someone of value, maybe he had something on him that was valuable. A radio or something. You know, something, yeah. you know. Um, you know, that would make a... Or something right. beyond just having a kid that would make us care about... I, yeah. I mean, it's just so much. <laughs> is it is it the worst King Kong movie ever? Uh, no, let me let me put this another way. Is it worse than King Kong Lives? No, of course not. King Kong Lives much worse, far worse movie. Don't watch King Kong Lives. What are you no. What are you doing? Uh, is it? But after that, it's like, is it better than King Kong Escapes? Uh, in some ways. Yes. In other ways, no. no. <laughs> you know, like I, I would yeah. much rather watch King Kong Escapes. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I could watch that movie again and again. There's just a quality and a craftsmanship to that movie where it's just like, yeah, get down with it. Is it ridiculous? Yes. Will other people you know watch it? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But if you like, you know, it, it, quality. Right. There, there, there's good bad and there's bad bad. You know. Yeah. And there's, this, yeah. we, we can, we, I won't say which one of these this is, but it's definitely not good, good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a double positive. Maybe it's not a double negative. It's right. It's it's uh, some weird thing in because between. It's like I can, while there are elements of this movie I like, it's really not a movie where it's just like, oh gee, I feel like you know shelling out. Uh, you know, nineteen ninety nine for the DVD or yeah. anything. You know, which I I bought the special edition two disc DVD. Uh, um, which the, now we're again. I was shocked. I wish I got this from Fye in, in the uh, in the mall, the final Fye, and um, I was shocked that they still made special edition two disc DVDs 
in 2017 mm-hmm. and when you looked at the menus the menus are like humiliating they're like what are you doing with your life choices buying this because it's like it's like the first dvd from like the one did you ever get like the the you know the dvd for lethal weapon back in like 1999 or whatever where it's yeah, just like played those where it's like the the base you know yeah yeah you it's, um, it's come back around full circle where it's, yeah. it's like that again except there's even yeah. less like pomp and circumstance if that's possible it's just like a photo play movie <laughs> yeah sometimes, sometimes i mean there's there'd be like an there's know. an extra disc of stuff yeah. but like the there's no design on the menus and the the features themselves are weird and sort of cobbled together what it what it reminded me of is like if a a student in college was assigned to make like a special edition DVD, which admittedly is a bizarre, you know, concept, but and like put it off the entire semester, and then just made like a bullshit like rush job the night before it was due. <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me. Uh, it seemed like like this. This is a polished product. Maybe, Warner Brothers maybe they were is, is punishing you for, for not selling out the extra, you know, eight dollars to get the Blu-ray. Right. That, that's that's what it well, was. At this point, I'm not converting to Blu-ray because physical media is, is is dying anyway. So like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. All these people are like, fuck DVD. I'm getting Blu-ray. It's like, well, yeah. Now Blu-ray's on the way out. So yeah. Might as well get. I mean, I still get half of my criterion movies on dvd right or i got uh, from arrow video the female prisoner 7 701 series that's a blu-ray dvd combo pack expensive yes wonderful also yes you know i'll have to take your word for that <laughs> i'm not familiar uh with those films at this time they're Japanese, gritty, and fantastic. The sounds, uh, they sound gritty from those titles. So I guess, you know, as a building block for the Monster Universe, check out Kong Skull Island. If you're looking for a movie that takes place on Skull Island with Kong on it, just watch King Kong from 1933. If you want two fun movies with King Kong in it, then watch Godzilla, or sorry, King Kong versus Godzilla. Or King Kong Escapes. There you go. There you um, go. So, uh, couple, if you want to see Jeff Bridges and his beard, and his beard, watch King Kong seventy six. That's right. Um, and Petrox. Um, <laughs> so, couple of brief caveats of actual kaiju movie related news. First of all, there's uh, been a, a very baseline teaser for pacific rim 2 which shows some of the new jaegers um it doesn't really show that much it shows a little bit of john boyega as idris elba's um character's son Mm -hmm. uh, from that first film if you remember idris elba didn't didn't make it um but but he canceled the apocalypse he canceled the apocalypse um so that looks pretty good and we're looking forward to that and we will definitely uh, you know when that film comes out, uh, make a, make an episode of that. And I believe that's going to be early next year, 2018. Um, but before that, um, there will be a, there's a new animated, and this is the first time in the history of, of Toho of the Godzilla universe. 
there's going to be an animated Godzilla film entitled Godzilla Monster Planet. And that is coming out in November of uh, 2017 on Netflix. And so, obviously, we're going to have to throw in our two cents on that when that happens. Um, and then, as it's slated now, uh, Godzilla King of Monsters is coming out in 2019. And then I believe King Kong vs. Godzilla is, is 2020. Or it might be 2020 and 2021. But still, a ways away. Um, so, who knows what we can touch on in in those large multi-year gaps <laughs> if itunes will still be available or podbean we right. might have to do this via oculus rift right we remain the godzilla pod war hour you have been listening to us i'm michael kelly and nathan bear has been uh reaching us via skype if you like what we're doing uh when we do it which is now every six or seven months yeah um when we feel like it when we feel like it when we get our shit together there's been actually some behind the scenes massive technical uh shall we say strategic challenges that we had to overcome for this episode so i know i said we'd get it out back in march which was five months ago or whatever (laughs) but um it's here now sorry took so long um but you know godzilla monster planet only a few months from now so hopefully it won't it won't be so long but obviously as a podcast and as a show we are in sort of this weird through the looking glass sort of purgatory state of like we're like an an elite strike squad where we assemble when called upon and then disperse uh yeah like we don't exist yeah. So it's like we obviously we're still alive. We still like talking about these movies, yes. but we're not going to be generating new episodes yeah. every week, you yeah. know. So it's there are other podcasts that do go that as quickly as the content is available and as quickly as we right. are available and, and and only when we actually have something to say. Yeah. We are still on Podbean. Um mm-hmm. we are still on you know itunes you know like us subscribe comment do the things do those things that generate other things that make people be like oh i like those things you know the internet and if, and if that doesn't convince your friends just let them know this is all for free it's you all know? for free you take a good value you know you know 10 hour you know car ride to, i don't know chicago or philly or something for you know hackensack I, new jersey hackensack for you know the the steak eating contest or pride Ooh. parade or pride that's parade my kind of contest steak eating contest you know uh the, the you know the list goes on you now have free oral gold <laughs> for which you your ears will be well it will uh, be yeah, exactly. It'll be Greavy's gravy into your ear. Um, yeah, <laughs> let it drizzle in. Uh, we still have the Facebook deal, which we occasionally post stuff up on. Um, I haven't been on the uh, Twiddle account uh, in so long. I don't actually know what its real name is. Twitter, right? Yeah, um, Twitter. I think Not January. Not with uh, Tumblr, which I... I... Oh, Don't Tumblr. Know. That, that is beyond Tumblr's our done. Tumblr now. has gone completely Tumblr yeah. after dark. There's no there's no okay. distinguishing between Tumblr and Tumblr after dark now. Yeah. 
Now, is it's Tumblr after pictures dark? Is that like Baywatch? <laughs> Baywatch Nights? Baywatch or... Nights. Yeah. Let's talk about Baywatch Nights for another 50 minutes, 5-0. So, Baywatch Nights started as a spinoff. No, we're two hours and 40 minutes into this thing. This is insane. We've got to cut it off. Uh, okay, so, yeah, we're um, we're on facebook at the godzilla pod war hour it's uh the twitter is michael kelly at godzilla pod war um and yes you know like us subscribe to us do all that that business um i will say it's been an honor talking to you this evening mr bear and um likewise mr kelly even if the films themselves are getting into sort of a weird wavy quality thing it's always fun talking kindly with you sir i uh, wouldn't have it any other way um it, it's good to have someone to uh kvetch about these films with to uh <laughs> suffer through them to complain or just be in awe yeah what you can do and you, uh and you're being very generous with your time and you know i appreciate it thank you for listening to us everybody we really appreciate it looking forward to a couple of of pretty fun years here uh being kaiju fans and um that's that's you know hopefully everything will go according to to warner brothers plan with this extended universe unless they slip on a giant banana peel (laughs) all right that's it Tell them all who come smoke.